0: They tell me you're a man with true grit.
1: And you are listening to the best dirt track podcast on the planet. And so we're going to introduce a couple of people. First, my sidekick and good friend, Pat Moore.
0: Thank you, Shane. I'm glad to be here Uh, on the maiden voyage. I'm looking forward to doing this.
1: All right, and I got the Red Rocket all the way from McCausland, Iowa, Jeff Morris.
2: Thanks, Shane. I'm glad to be here also.
1: All right, and then we have Just Kelly.
2: Just Kelly.
1: Kelly, yeah. Yeah. So, hey, uh, you tuned in tonight. We're happy to have you uh, listening to us, and we're going to cover a lot of different stuff in this show over the period of uh, the next racing season, our current uh, 2021 season. We will give results, you know, not only from Davenport Speedway, but uh, Makokita Speedway. Uh, also, up at the Rock Island County Fairgrounds, East Moline Speedway, and we'll speckle a lot of different tracks in with that. We're, we're just like a bunch of guys sitting around a race shop. We just got done working on the car. We laid down the hammers and tools, and we're going to talk racing. So. We're going to kick this thing off. Uh, We're going to talk about some of the uh, specials coming up at Davenport Speedway this year. And I'm pretty excited. Now, April 23rd kicks off the weekly race season. That's coming up in two weeks. Uh, We'll follow that up with weekly shows April 30th, May 7th. But coming up on May 21st, Pat Moore, you're a sprint car midget guy. And April 21st, we're going to have the Badger Midgets. Over at Davenport Speedway, where are they from, what are they about, what's a midget, and what can the fans expect?
0: I tell you what, midget racing was, has been huge in the Quad Cities, and, and I'm really excited about having the Badger Midgets back uh, on, uh, on a Friday night program. Uh, they should put on a great show. Badger's based out of the, the Madison, Milwaukee area. They dwindled down in, in numbers through the years, but they've really come on strong. Their home track has always been Angel Park Speedway in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin which is just outside of Madison. Uh, that was kind of their bread and butter. They travel a little bit, and it looks like this year they're going to have a little bit more extensive schedule. I think they're running at, um, at uh, Dubuque maybe the week before that or two weeks before that, and I can't wait to have them here at Davenport as well.
1: All right. And then uh, coming up on June 11th, June 18th, we're going to have the SLMR late models on June 18th. Then June 25th, it's my birthday. If you want to send gifts, uh, I'll give you my home address later on in the show. We're gonna have the Sprint Invaders in town now. Pat, what are they gonna be running 305s, 350s, or what are they running those Sprint Invaders?
0: Sprint Invaders are ASCS rules. And so they're a a uh, a 12 head, which is a, a which is a specific style of of head. It's a little bit antiquated now by the new current Chevy standards, but it's a 360 cubic inch uh, steel block 360. Very high-performance racing, uh, winged 360 racing. They run at Knoxville every Saturday night. Uh, the, the, this group is based out of the Burlington, Iowa, and Knoxville, Iowa area, and they put on a whale of a show. Hopefully, I'll have my car together. Um, if not, then maybe I'll be up helping you in the booth.
1: Hey, that'll be a good time. Uh, coming up July 1st, we're going to have a first-time event. We're going to have the UMP Summer Nationals Hell Tour and that's going to be Dirt Super Late Models. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, We're going to take back the Mars Racing Series again this year, coming up on July 27th. We had them last year. That's Dirt Super Late Models uh, running with that Mars Series. And then uh, when I look at Beyond All the Weekly Shows, coming up, three-day special World of Outlaw Late Models. That's going to be August 26th, 27th, 28th. Man, if you haven't got your reservation for your camper Get it now, because I'm going to tell you they're going to fill them up. It was our best crowd of the season last year. Uh, great show. I mean, you're talking about who are we going to have there, Morris?
2: You know, I don't really know who runs that series. You know, I'm more of the modified kind of guy. But.
1: Well, we'll get to mods in here in a minute. Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Owens, he's going to be there. The last show we had, World Outlaws, last season. Uh, who'd we have? We had Cade uh, Dillard third, Jimmy Owens second. And, of course, B. Shep picked off the win in that uh, last show we had. But before that, earlier in the season, we opened up the season last year. We had COVID, and it was crazy times. We couldn't have anybody in the stands. It was one of the best shows I'd seen on that quarter mile. And Brandon Shepard beat uh, – It was uh, – uh, No, that one was Ricky oh, Thornton, Jr. Ricky Thornton Jr., that's By right. one one-thousandth of a second. And I'm sitting there, uh, you know, with Rick Eshelman – Uh, from World Outlaws, and he called uh, 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 Ricky Thornton Jr. the winner. And I tapped him on the shoulder, and I pointed at the screen. Of course, uh, you know, the computer said, hey, B-Shep won. So Shepard brought home the bacon that day. But those guys, and I'm going to tell you, when the race was over, they come over, and I was out on the speedway, and uh, Jimmy Owens said, I would race this track or a track like this every week if I could. And Ricky Kai, uh, he and his wife promote Davenport Speedway. He was walking out on the racetrack, and I said, well, that's the guy you want to talk to. And he walked over and spent some time with Jimmy Owens and also with Kay Dillard, and they both shared the same sentiment. They said, man, this track's great. Ricky Kai's a farmer. He's been in there. This is his second full season. Uh, Hey, the guy knows dirt, and Dr. Andaloy also helps with that track prep. So, you know, we're looking forward to that now. Coming up this Thursday, uh, we want to let you know, uh, Dirt Track Promotions, that's going to be Bob Wagner. He will be promoting that event we're going to have, and we're going to have the Lucas Oil Late Models rolling into town. So, great show coming up Thursday, dress warm, going to be a little chilly. And, Pat, we got something going on Friday night, but it's going to be up at uh, Farley Speedway. And we're going to have your...
0: The National Touring ASCS Series. There you go. up at Farley. Okay. Yeah, the uh, the big guys, and and one of the nice things about the about sprint cars is that um, that the uh, you'll probably see some of the Knoxville three sixties that run up there as well. So you'll see top level talent. They run there on Friday night, and then uh, the sprint cars open their season at Knoxville on Saturday night. Good, good.
1: By the way, I did get both of my COVID shots, so I'm uh, I'm in good shape. My wife had. Uh, she got her two shots. I got uh, both of mine. Yeah, Pat, too. She got the Moderna, and I got uh, the Pfizer. I got the Pfizer as well. Okay, way well, hey, great minds think alike, Pat. That's right. That's so right. So we're in good shape. That's why I'm sitting next to Pat, because he's got both of his shots, <laughs> so I feel safe over here. Anyway, uh, coming up uh, shortly here next week, we're going to have the regular season opening up at Davenport Speedway. Jeff, I wanted to talk to you about that. Your son, Mitchell, in a brand-new Harris car, looked awesome out there on practice day. Then last uh, Saturday night when we raced over there, uh, looked good in the heat, but you said he had a little brake trouble.
2: Yeah, in, in the heat races, the first time we had a car on a track that was tacky, and it wasn't really turning very well, but, I mean, he got qualified and drew 12. Um, the track slicked up for the features, so I thought maybe we, we would be pretty good, but first lap, first corner, brand new race car, broke a heim joint on, I mean, the, on the four-length bar, and... And it just about took the field out with him. but um, Thank God um, nobody hit him, huh? Yeah, yeah. Pretty lucky, really. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, it's a $9 part. We're ready for the next time.
1: Oh, man. Boy, you talk about the cost of oatmeal modified racing. I, I was kind of laughing. I was digging through my old stuff. Uh, uh, you know, uh, when Dee Whedon uh, moved to Florida to live with her son, uh, Rob Connors, she said, hey, I've got some stuff that I've collected over the years of Ronnie's and Rob's not gonna let me bring it down. So I stopped over at Dee's house, went out in the garage and she had 15 gallon totes. Them babies were stacked floor to ceiling, the length of the whole wall. And I said, now I know why Rob wouldn't let you bring all this stuff. So I took like five or six of them, but I have had things like that throughout my life that have uh, uh, has allowed me to collect a lot of cool stuff. And you guys know, I love racing history. So here I grabbed, uh, you know, uh, Hawkeye Racing News. That used to be the hot newspaper to get uh, back in the day before technology and, you know, uh, streaming podcasts and all this come uh, about. But, you know, we look at this. This is from uh, October 3rd, 1985. It says, Web Tops Burlington Fall Jamboree. We just did a, you know, a show with Webb a week ago. And you know what was amazing, uh, Kelly? Can you believe 11,000 hits in the first 24 hours yeah that's crazy
3: Eleven thousand
2: views yeah. that is crazy you know you, you talk about hockey racing news everybody that raced in the midwest this was a weekly a weekly paper in the summer oh absolutely and, and you you raced in the mailbox to see if you made the front or if they even mentioned your name in it i mean everybody that, that raced was like that you know
0: and and traveling um we got two newspapers that was one of them and we got speed sport and every week you know, Speed Sport would come on Thursday and that would come on Wednesday. Yep. And yeah, you'd open it up and that was your news. You had to wait to find out what happened. And they got, if you think about it, they wrote the articles, they got to publish and out to you within like four days. Yes. Uh, by now, by today's standards, man, if you don't know what happened tonight, you know, you're behind yeah. the times. Um, and then we, you know, we waited for that news. And, and man, I remember sitting on tires in the shop on Wednesday and Thursday reading the newspapers to find out what happened last weekend.
1: Crazy. So Jeff, you and I had a little talk. I thought about uh, one of the changes that you know we've seen in the racing uh, world is the cost continues to escalate. And so, for lack of a better term, I'm going to say, how do we dumb down that cost of racing to make it more affordable? Because Jeff, you made a comment to me, and you, you had said, you're sitting in the stands at East Moline Speedway back in the day.
2: Yeah.
1: And tell me about that.
2: Well, you know, I was sitting there 17, 18 years old and thought, Know, that I would like to do this you know back then I mean I went through that for a couple months thinking I'd want to do it then finally I just went and bought a car and I did it because you know my first car had $2,500 in it when I was done now I, I don't think there's a class at our local track and it, I mean it's not really not anybody's fault you know it's not the promoter's fault they can't pay anymore right but um that an 18-year-old kid can say that does not come from a racing family. I want to do that. You know, now in a just about every class, if a guy's racing weekly or racing a couple nights a week, he's getting help from his family members or or from friends, and you know they're gonna they have to kind of pool their money because uh, uh, an average guy that's working uh, paycheck to paycheck or you know you can't do what we're doing anymore. I I mean. I hate to sound like that, like a downer, because I'm all about racing, you know. But at some point, they need to, like Shane says, dumb down the, the weekly racing. I don't know what that answer is, but technology is just, you know, it's crazy right now what everybody's doing. And, and even myself, you know, we've had a modified at our shop since 1984. Just the different tools in the last four or five years, you know, the, the smashers and, and all the different stuff you have to buy just to keep up and to learn that. It, a weekly racer shouldn't have to go through all that, in my opinion.
1: I want to ask you about that, Jeff. You know, back in the day when I was racing, and, and you had them. We'd usually go up to your house and get them. We had grain scales, and everybody would scale their car, you know, on an old set of grain scales. But today, scaling is not the way you do it. So, Jeff, explain what's a spring smasher? I mean, I know we got four springs on all four corners of uh, the race cars, but are they checking how the spring rate changes as you compress it?
2: No, they're, they're checking the load on each wheel. So like okay. like on a light model, they can do it on all four wheels. Um, so, you know, like, like everybody's buying their chassis now, and, and they'll give you a, a, a height that they want you to check the load at. So I mean, it is actually it's quicker and easier than the scale deal, but you're buying that technology as you go, you know. So you can take that, you know, your shock and a spring or you know coil over together on a late model, stick in that smasher, put it at the number, put it at the length, and then put it at the smash number that they want. And um, all right, you know, it it just it just goes on and on from there, though, you know. Now I'm gonna laugh. With with a, I I didn't mean to interrupt you, but with a modified you got to use a load stick in the front because the coil separate from the shock. We got gotcha. But it's basically doing the same thing. So other, so,
0: other than, the, than, than that, Jeff, where do you think the biggest raise in cost, especially in something like a modified has come from? Because don't you run a, a crate motor?
2: Yeah. And I, I think the crate has helped, helped, you know, the IMC modified type sport. Um, but, you know, it's the shock deal. And, and um just everything else involved you know right now to buy a bare chassis with decking it's probably seventy five hundred dollars and I'm not saying that the chassis builders are getting rich you know I'm just everything and then everything you build on it from there you know it just escalates so quick
0: just the technology
2: yeah right now I mean it's nothing to see a modified roller that they want 35 or forty thousand for you know, that that somebody's ran a few nights already.
0: That's one of the interesting things. um, Comparing my my regional racing that I'm exposed to on a local level, that I get more exposure to through you guys and, and my local racetrack, which is primarily stock cars and what I grew up around, sprint car racing, there are differences to it, and that's one of the areas that sprint car racing, midget racing, actually is a lot cheaper. As the cars technically are a lot cheaper than than I see that I, I'm like thirty grand. You could yeah. buy three sprint cars for that. Yeah. You could go to Casey Kane's shop and buy three of their top of the line rollers that they ran last year for that. Maybe two, yeah. with all of the titanium. So, what? Where does all the cost come from? Is it just the chassis itself, or the combination, or the technology, or yeah, I
2: think it's a combination uh, of you know, the chassis, then everything you build on it. But now um, there's just uh, um, people are buying technology from from different teams that have the technology. And, And then it's nothing for, there's a lot of guys coming from out west right now. So they'll race three or four nights a week here. Then they go home and race all winter. It's hard to keep up with that. And then at the same time, there's a lot of tracks that are renting a track out at nights. So guys will race three four nights, then they'll go rent a track out for a night, you know, in practice. And it's, for a weekly guy that just wants to race one or two nights, it's hard to stay competitive with that.
1: You know, Jeff, uh, I was going through my old Hawkeye racing news, and I gave you one when you came in the door. What year is that one you've got over there, Jeff?
2: Um, it was a 1984 Midwest Fab modified.
1: Yeah, there you go. So, hey, what we're talking about is I opened up this old Hawkeye racing news, and I said, hey, I wonder what the cars were selling for back then. And I go to the uh, (laughs) classified sections and who's in there, but Jeff Morris is number 80 for sale. Now, Jeff, was that a roller car at that price?
2: Yeah, um, it's for sale in here. It was at Tom Herbert's shop at Quad City Used Car, Race Car and Parts, for $2,750, and that was at the end of the 86 season. I bought that car. It was one-year-old at the end of the 84 season from Dan Norton, and Terry um, Hurst built it his it Midwest Fab car sure. for eight hundred dollars, and it was a roll-on chassis. And and we put it together. And I had only had five or six races under my belt before that. We ended up winning a, a race with that car. So you know I, you know it's a car that I probably had three thousand dollars in that car when I was done. Ran it a couple of years, and then you can see I was selling it as a, a roller for twenty-seven fifty, and I, I sold it for that now i think you'd be a little backwards if you're trying to do that same thing you know
1: yeah and we know that uh you know i love racing we're doing the podcast because we love racing we uh, uh we're not by any means you know i'm i'm pro chassis shops pro mod lates uh you know whatever it may be so all we're trying to do is just you know identify some areas that may uh you know help out you know when it comes to the cost of racing but you know the reality is Cost has went up with the promoters. I know when I was up at uh, East Moline Speedway, uh, uh, the insurance for one night, million-dollar liability for the racetrack, million-dollar liability for the dram shop, all that stuff, it was $1,000 a night. And that, you know, come right off the top. So uh, all of the costs for a promoter have went up. The costs for the drivers have went up. You know, we've seen all this escalate. So, uh, you know, look at the cost of fuel the last couple of weeks. I mean, Back when you and I were uh, racing, Jeff, I think I was buying uh, you know avgas before we went to methanol uh, for maybe a buck seventy-five a gallon. Now you're talking what, Jeff? Eight seventy-five a gallon? I think it's ten dollars a gallon. Ten dollars a, a, a gallon? My gosh! Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
2: Wow. Crazy. You know, and I, you know, I, I'm talking about the cost. And then people that only go to Davenport think, well, what's he talking about? Every class is full. Well, at Davenport, you know, they're doing a really good job promoting it. The track is really good. People travel to go there, but if you go to a lot of the other racetracks, they're really struggling to get cars. Um, you know, nobody wants to go watch five or six cars in a class, and uh, you know that, that's happening all over the country. I mean, there are, there are tracks, you know, like Downport, Marshalltown. I know always gets a lot of cars. Boone gets a lot of cars, but there's other tracks in our area here that that are struggling to get cars.
0: And on on the open wheel level, and talking about the Badger midgets that are coming up on May twenty first in Davenport, that's one thing that differentiates Badger from USAC is that, and and I think I, I think we're on the right path talking about cost because you have two approaches to it. You can either ignore it and pretend like there's not a problem, and watch car count swindle, or you can work to address it. Uh, USAC midget racing has gone the the. First way and they're kind of just keeping on keeping on and unfortunately it has become a millionaire's club really it's wow. multi-car teams are, are all that, that pretty much race USAC midgets now badger racing actually their car counts dwindled over the last decade or so and they approached it in a very proactive way primarily with motor costs and they actually run four-cylinder production-based engines a smaller engine than than the open um type of motor that they run in USAC and their car counts are, are beginning to increase and increase and increase.
1: Now, hey, we're going to look at uh, Boone Speedway results from last weekend. Hey, we had a lot of rain. I mean, it, it rained. We rained out our Thursday show the whole weekend. Pretty much a lot of tracks was a wash, but uh, we're going to talk about an interesting thing. You know, when I'm up there announcing, uh, one of the things I say is that, you know, is this heaven racing in Iowa? Yeah, and you betcha it is. The reason it's heaven is during the peak racing season, you can literally run seven days a week and never leave this great state of Iowa. And I know that uh, when I went down to Talladega to announce uh, short track racing, they had a 10,000 win mod show. Uh, Kelly uh, Bowen, was that his name? He was in town uh, running that show. He's from California. And I said, my gosh, why would you travel to Talladega, Alabama? And he said, hey, uh, I literally got to drive two hours my closest track and he said the next closest track is three hours away and so you know we talk about you know a lot of these guys come to Iowa and they live here during the summer and when you read down these results Tim Ward picked off the win up there at Boone Speedway season opener Saturday night a modifieds. he's from Chandler Arizona and Jeff he stays here in the summertime
2: yeah him along with probably four or five other guys from Mount West, race here all summer long, and go home and race as much as I can in the winter.
1: So, you got uh, second place uh, was Nick Roberts. He's from Des Moines, Iowa, with a number 23 JR. But third place was Dylan Thornton, and he's from Santa Maria, California. He's another one of those guys that yes. rolls in a town. Yep. Now, Jeff, if they need a place to stay, your wife Lori will roll out the red carpet. <laughs> and...
2: I, I don't know about that, but if they're ever in this area and, and they and they're, you know, racing and need, need some help or need a shop to work in. They, you know, anybody can come over there and do whatever they want. We'd help anybody out that way.
1: So we'll roll down through this uh, a little bit. Uh, and so fourth place, Jimmy Gustin, uh, started on a pole. Got the old you know, backup beepers on, shuffled her back to fourth. Marshalltown, Iowa, but the Gustins, those guys fly. Uh, fifth place, we'll roll down the top ten, Jeremy Mills from Clear Lake, Iowa. Sixth place, number 12, Joel Bershore Ber- Ber- from Boone, Iowa. And then we got Todd Shoot. He's uh, won the Super Nationals. Number five, uh, he is from Norwalk, Iowa. Uh, yeah, and then eighth place was Andy Teeman or Tiernan it looks like. Madrid, Iowa. Ninth place, Derek Stewart, Ainsworth, Iowa. And finally rounding out the top ten was Russ Dickerson. And he lives right in uh, Boone's, Iowa. But, uh, you know, even as I roll down some of the other cars in the field and you talked about those guys rolling in from out of town. We had a Shane DeVolder from Pacifica, California, the number 44S. He ended up uh, finishing 16th. But, you know, these guys, when you looked at, uh, you know, the racing down at Bristol on the dirt, that was red clay. And, man, when you come up here to the Quad Cities or Iowa, you've got black dirt. And I remember running up at Knoxville, Iowa in 1987, and... You know, I know they have a different team prepping the track up there now, but the the dirt was black. I reached down, I picked that stuff up, Pat. I stretched it out, and it almost snapped in my hand like a piece of rubber. That stuff was tacky.
0: River bottom clay.
1: That's what yep. it is.
0: Yeah, And we take that for granted, honestly. And and so that's one of the interesting things about traveling. And I've traveled a lot throughout my career. And and you you don't realize the differences in the dirt from from here to Texas. In Texas, it's a a, a lot. More brown has a lot more sand in it. Down east, it has a, a lot more iron ore. It's kind of a red, almost like a slippery um, texture to it. And then you get into the, the you know the Florida Panhandle area. It tends to be really sandy and a totally different texture uh, to it. And the car setups are, are different. It's it's a completely different environment. All right, Jeff.
2: You know you're you're going down that uh, uh, the feature results from Boone that Joel Rust. Or not Joel Russ, but Joel Bishore. I don't know whether he still does, but last year he was actually had a V6 in that car. Oh, you're kidding me! And uh, um, and I uh, still run a Powerglide transmission. His dad owns a Bishore. Oh, hey! So How do you like that, Bouchure. I don't, I don't know whether he still does or not. Yeah. But he had a V6 in there for a while. Nice. And you know, you
1: talk about that back in the day, uh, Jeff. We you run a Powerglide? Oh, for sure. We yeah. run a Powerglide. They were low cost, but. You know, you got the cars hooked up so good today, and and more horsepower, and yet, you know, Bershore still sells Power
2: Glides. Yeah.
1: A lot of the guys still got them in race well, cars. The street
2: stocks, yeah. Yeah. Um, back in the day when Shane and I ran Power Glides, we'd run them in low gear, so we'd just run off the band, and then like at East Moline, we'd put a 390 gear in it, or go to downport, put a 370 gear in it, and run a low gear all the time. And they lasted then, but yeah. you wouldn't get by with it today.
0: Yeah,
1: you wouldn't get by with it today, but, boy, those were uh, the good old days. And so uh, I'm going to roll through real quickly here. Dirt Track Racing, they got a show coming up. We talked about that, the Lucas Oil MLRA Late Models. Rolling into town the 15th. That's going to be on Thursday night. We're also going to be running mods, sport mods, and the ever-popular American Iron Racing Series. And so pits are going to open at 3 p.m., grandstands at 5 p.m., hot laps at 6 p.m. with racing to follow. But that American Iron Racing Series, we haven't talked about them yet. Brian Gotti had an idea. He said, man, we're going to put together some old race cars like they did back in the day. And that has turned out to be a real nice racing series. I mean, they're getting uh, 20 cars a night in that series. They're
2: fun to watch. Yeah, they are fun to watch. And, you know, everybody seems to be pretty racy. I think at the beginning, maybe... They didn't want the same winner every week, but I think that's kinda out the window now and, and everybody's racing really hard. Um, it's pretty cool to see, you know, some old Fords out there, you know, comments and fair lanes and Camaros and you know, stuff like we've seen when, you know, back in that late sixties and early seventies.
0: I you tell know you what, the, the the Camaro that was out there on practice night looked almost <laughs> too
2: pretty to race. was
0: yeah, yeah. too pretty to race. It was beautiful. Uh,
1: You know, and Ray Gus Jr., here he is, he drove for Kenny Roberts, uh, won three IMCA late model championships in a row. I think that was the first time that had been done. But uh, he wanted to retire, and he and I went to high school together. I'll turn 62 in uh, June, and so Ray's got to be at the same age. We graduated in 1977. But uh, he's out there driving for Keith Simmons. They got it's probably a 75 uh, Nova there racing. You get that thing on the half mile, and that big block comes. And Keith Simmons, tell us a little bit about him, Jeff. He uh, he had his success over the years in racing.
2: Yeah, you know, in the late 70s, uh, Tom Hurst rode for him, and I think that maybe they were the first NASCAR uh, weekly national series winners. Um, gosh, those guys, they'd win, you know, 35, 40 races every year. I, I can remember... As a kid at Davenport, watching them break a motor in the heat race, change motor, and run the feature. I mean, I'm not talking one night. They did that several nights. Um, But then Keith Ashley went down south and was building motors for cup cars. And then he did that, I don't know, probably 12, 15 years. Came back to Iowa, and then he was a promoter at um, West Liberty and um, Dubuque also. Yeah. And then he owned Farley.
1: And he, you know, what a contribution to racing uh, Keith uh, had made over the years. And, you know, now you see him. It's kind of funny. We're all getting older. And, uh, you know, this guy has, you know, done it all from dirt tracks to the cup. And he's just out there having a good time with Ray now. And I was real excited. I was announcing up at Liberty last year. And Ray picked off the win. And out of the stands come his mom, Margaret Gus, and his wife, Julie Gus, and the old uh, team that was with Keith Simmons. And it was just like uh, who's who at Dirt Track Racing, seeing all them guys back together. So, hey, we'll get back to this uh, Dirt Track Racing. they got 12 races this year. Uh, one of them already rained out, so we've got 11 left to go, which includes Thursday night. But we've got Lucas Oil MLRA coming in not only to Davenport, but to West Liberty, Iowa. We've got the Lucas Oil again at Maquokata Speedway, which, Kelly, you and I uh, worked that show last yeah. year. Yeah. And i got to say, uh, Packed House uh, the numbers were real good, uh, you know, yeah. as far as the show, and we had people from you know across America and you know around the United States and and uh, three countries watching that show. So that's that's a great thing to have happen up there in Macoka. Yeah, Macoka is a great track too.
3: I like Macoka. That's where we started. I mean, we started doing Facebook stuff a couple of years ago. So yeah,
0: Macoka is a great place. Wow. So who are who are some of the uh, well-known names that you guys expect to see here in town on Thursday night?
1: Yeah, we're going to see. I, now I'm 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 not guaranteeing this, so don't uh, don't flat my tires. You know I'm up there announcing a <laughs> uh-huh. the race, but well, you know I expect to see Jimmy Owens there. I expect to see Kay Dillard there. Expect to see Brandon Shepard there. So you've got uh, probably and of course. Who's going to be there, Kelly? Jeremiah's probably going to be there. Defending series yeah, and champion. And Garrett, yeah. And Garrett Albertson. And those guys will be there with those brand-new Black Diamond cars. Uh, they struggled a little bit down in Farmer City, didn't make the show. But whenever you got a brand-new race car, and you know it's the first time you've had it on the track, you basically need seat time. you got to get out there and say, Hey, everything's different on this car than it was on the car they won the championship with. So you got to figure out uh, how to make that thing yeah, go. Especially at that level. Especially at that level. I mean, you're not running against, uh, uh, you know, local guys. You have uh, stepped up to the A game. You know, when you're running against guys like Jimmy Owens and Cade Dillard. Now, uh, last year, uh, Scott Bloomquist uh, ran with that series, mm-hmm. but That's now... Right. I've seen him at World Outlaw shows this year, so he kind of does that. He flip-flops. He'll run the World Outlaws one year, and he's looked very good. I mean, he had that hip injury last year. He talked about uh, having very limited feeling in his right leg. And, I mean, that's your gas foot. And, you know, we all joke. You say you just lock her to the floor, but you really don't. Uh, there are times when you're going through traffic, you're working at throttle. And, uh, you know, I think that he struggled with knowing where, he was at with that gas pedal, and you know, my hats off to that guy for getting out there and racing. You know, at that level, even when he was uh, still injured. Now, hopefully, this year the way he's looked, he looks healthier.
2: What do you think, Jeff? Yeah, I, I agree. And plus, I mean, I hate to say this because of our age, but the guy's fifty-eight years old, I think, also. You know, right. and so time's working against him a little bit, probably, as far as being real competitive every single week, but. Um, i tell always, you, I'm he's come out strong him. this year, though. Yeah, for
1: sure. Hoker Trucking uh, Super Late Models are going to roll into town. That'll be August 20th, West Liberty Raceway, August 21st. Uh, McCocotus Speedway, we're going to have the Britt Montgomery Memorial, and we're going to have the Hoker Trucking Super Late Models. So God bless Hoker Trucking. They're real good about sponsoring racing, and thank God for Jeff and Penny Hoker. Uh, they sponsor a lot of race cars, and not only at Britt Montgomery was the son of uh, Dean Montgomery. Great late model driver, won a lot of shows. Britt and Bart were the twin boys. Britt worked uh, for Dirt Track Racing, and he had the headset on, and he would talk to the drivers on the restarts. And uh, the good Lord called him home. He got cancer, and we sure miss him. But uh, what a great thing to do to have that Britt Montgomery uh, Memorial. Then wrapping up the season, we'll get back to Britt here. We're going to have the Night of Destruction Trailer race and cheaters night, that's coming up September 11th. So, uh, Jeff, you got something about uh, I was Britt? I just going
2: to say, Britt, you know, he, uh, he raced for a long time. Him and Bart both raced for a long time. And then they were also flagmen for a long time. Both of them were, um, you know, before they, you know, started um, just being officials. So yeah. They, they spent their whole life at the racetrack for sure.
1: So then we got Hoker Trucking Super Late Models coming to Dubuque, Iowa with Dirt track racing that'll be on September 23rd. September 24th, we're going to have the Hoker Trucking Super Late Models up at West Liberty along with Mods, Sport Mods, and the American Iron Racing Series. And then finally, the Iowa Governor's Cup Hoker Trucking Super Late Models that will be September 25th and that'll be on the Davenport Speedway quarter mile. That'll wrap up the uh, season for Bob Wagner and Dirt Track Racing. So that's just uh Some more cool stuff that's gonna happen this year. And I I think uh uh you know the best is yet to come. We had a great season last year, great shows last year, and you know, I think this year is even gonna be better yet.
0: Couldn't agree more?
3: Yeah, it's going to be different, I think, though. You know, last year it was, it was kind of a panic for everybody, right? And, uh, you know, it, it just you get as many races as you can. And, and it was, I mean, especially for us, because we were going all over the place trying to do as many, you know, pay-per-views as we can. Everybody wanted. And, uh, and hopefully there's going to bring more people back into the stands here next year. You know, but I think,
0: um, and I, Kelly, I know you and I have talked about that. So I think I think last year kind of forced the technology's I, hand a little bit because it exposed so many more people to racing. And I know myself included. I got to watch, uh, you know, probably uh, 15 races uh, just over the weekend. Yeah. Races from Pennsylvania to I watched both midget races. I watched sprint car races from California, all from my living room. Yeah. You know, and I'm a racing fan, don't get me wrong. And, and if it wasn't raining, I would have been at a racetrack, but I can still come home and watch via the internet or via a streaming service. I can, you know, I can catch up on the races that I, that I missed and find out what happened at in races in Lincoln Speedway in Pennsylvania. Yeah.
3: And, and that's, you're right. It did force, it kind of did force our hand. Um, you know, we got to do what you got to do, right? Um, we went from Facebook and then we did the, the first fall bash, the, you know, that, for that first year. And we didn't know, I mean, I didn't know how to do pay-per-view, you know. We didn't know anything about it. We just, I thought we were going to do it on YouTube or something. Wow. And uh, between Kyle and Rob and, and and we, Robert, or I think it was Kyle, found Chris Grainer from uh, Speed Sport. Sure. And uh, and he coached us right through it, you know. So, and I've been happy to be with them. Uh, it's it's great to have the backup, um, That you know, that Speed sport platform that mm-hmm. – uh, They've been doing it for a long time, so you know we kind of get underneath their umbrella. Um, there's a cost involved, but there's a cost in everything, you know. They take care of a lot of that stuff that we don't have to take care of, so let's us focus on on the production. and uh, And let me tell you, there's it's it's kind of like cars, I would imagine, because it's a different setup every day. But man, uh, I honestly had no idea what I was getting into going to different tracks and stuff, because everybody's got different audio, everybody's got different setups, everybody's got different. You know, different announcers, different everything. So, so it is definitely a challenge trying to figure out. And we did a good job last year. All of us, all the whole team, did a good job last year. This year is going to be a little bit different. And uh, you know, I think we're going to have to this year. I want to focus more on growing a business, making the business part of it. Um, And it's always been my goal. I'm not trying to get the fifty thousand dollars show. I don't, you know what I mean. I'm not. I've I'm here for the sport. I've only been involved in the sport. Uh, speaking of my involvement, uh, Keith Bloom's one-year anniversary uh, was last year of his yeah. passing away. Last year or last year, and he's really the one that kind of got me into it, and then I started running with the, with Kenny and, and Jeremiah and them guys. You know, um, and it's I don't know, man. It's something that that it's like the, the it's like a secret that no that general people don't know about, right, right. and and it's what a great sport and, and, oh. and watching it on TV is great, but being at the track and being and seeing that and going through the pits and seeing the kids and the moms and the, and the wives and the and the brothers and everybody kind of helping each other out and somebody might break something and you know I mean you got you know they're just helping people out man, and you don't see that in a lot of different sports we were talking about that earlier and and that's what kind of got me to. You know like again i i i'm just i'm trying i want all these tracks i want more people in the seats i want more people on the tv um i'd like to see and, and i'm trying to work out so we can put some tvs at the tracks so while we're doing the live streams people will be able to go get a beer or go to the bathroom or go get a burger and still be able to watch the stream be able to watch the the uh instant replays and stuff like that so Boy, that'd be nice. great that's what sure. i'm going to focus on this year is is the more of the weekly stuff and, and just like i said last year you know that, that i want everybody to win i'm not trying to i don't want everybody watching the tv part i want to bring it up i want to bring the track up i want to bring all the i want to give the the fans the the racers the the promoters i want to i want to kind of bring it all up because just something I, you're going to have a good time. I mean, I don't care who you are. If you go to a Friday night or a Saturday night race, if, even if you have never been there, you're going to have a good time. I mean...
0: Well, I think, I, I think kind of marrying those two, um, you know, we're taking 2020 and we're bringing it into 2021 to where we have people that are coming out of hibernation, if you will. And they're right. saying, hey, listen, it's 2021. We can now get out. You know, hey, what can we do? It's Friday night. What can we do? Hey, you know what? We saw racing... All last winter, let's go check it out. So and that's one of the nice things about this and what you bring to the table with, with your your streaming services is that how many more people can can we reach with this technology? And hopefully, yes, we'll bring more of those people that actually take that opportunity to come out and see the racing in person now that we're coming out of out of the COVID hibernation.
1: So Jeff, you know, we talk about, you know, it being a family affair. I mean it's it's you. I mean, I remember when your three boys were just, you know, knee-high to grasshopper. They're there. Your wife's there. When your mom was uh, around, she yeah. was at the races every weekend. Yeah. I mean,
2: we, we've always done it as a family, and I think that's how a lot of people justify spending all their time racing. You know, um, I have three sons. They are always at the racetrack. Wife's usually at the racetrack unless I do something stupid, then she might not go for a few weeks. (laughs) Um but my my mom, my stepdad, you know, my in laws, everybody went. That was just the thing that we did for probably twenty years straight, you know, of course they're all gone now, but um and now now I have grandkids and they're 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 we're going through it again. You know, it's just another generation going. So um, as we can keep that up I think that's that's a big plus yeah.
0: name, a no, name another sport and my I remember my dad saying this so I'm a third generation racer and my family was the same way where my family was incredibly close because we were together nonstop as we traveled my entire family was and name another sport that's one of the beauties to racing no matter what you race no matter if you race a four-cylinder or a sprint car or a late model name another sport that the entire family can participate together. Not one participant, not a kid, and everybody else comes and watches, which is fine all into itself. But name another sport where everybody can be an active participant on the team.
2: There isn't uh, I, I don't think so either. And, you know, there's a lot of truth to that because everybody does have their job, whether it's just going to get food to bring to us or, or you know. Tear offs on the helmet. Ex- exactly. Or... Um, it's, you know, it's a good deal. It yep. worked out well for my family. I know... Uh, a lot of families, we have a lot of friends from racing, the Davises, you know, um, the same way they've all, they've always raced as a family, you know, his, his sisters and his brother always went together and there's just, if you look down the line, it's all about family at the racing. The difference is when we were younger, we couldn't have those kids in the pits. That's right. We, when we went there, I think, I think a pit pass might've been $12 30 sure. years ago But it cost you $5 extra if you didn't have white pants on. Yeah, I remember those days. remember that. Things have changed a little
0: bit. So funny story, if I can, for a second. Go ahead, man. Travels, um, and and our family was very close. My mom was an integral part of our family. The only time that she ever questioned racing, we were in in, uh, Big H Speedway in Houston, Texas, running a World of Outlaw show. And it was like last weekend it had rained nonstop. it was standing room only there were tons and tons of people so there was no way they were going to cancel the show it was about 2 a.m in the morning okay and it had that rain had finally let up and they got they gave the call over the pa driver's meeting we're going to start hot laps my mom was exhausted because we had been up all day long and she's sitting under a blanket in the trailer and she goes she just says I remember we came into the trailer and said mom they called us for hot laps we got to grab the helmet and go and she, my mom said i quit and that was it and so we we teased her about it the whole rest of her life oh so but, man that's yeah. a great story she, but
1: she was involved non-stop so. oh boy i remember in our family my mom uh, betty davis uh she wrote for the hawkeye racing news and she was good friends with charlotte reinhardt who was her boss at the hawkeye racing news charlotte of course the head reporter, and she'd hire all the reporters uh, at the racetrack. She'd go down to Daytona Speedway every year. Her son was Gary Reinhart, who the good Lord called home, uh, you know, a few years back, and
3: uh,
1: 1990, Jeff remembers that night. And, uh, you know, as long as we're talking about that, too, this year we've lost some great racers. I mean, the last 12 months. And, you know, we're talking about Bobby Tolan, who really brought big-time late-model racing to the Quad Cities and, you know, with his uh, uh, triple 25s, his twin 50s, uh, the Course 100, which originally was uh, perhaps Blue Ribbon 100, yep. and uh, I remember uh, one year, uh, the Course 100, Bill Elliott was hot back then, he had won the cup title, the number nine, the Course Smelling Thunderbird, they had that car on display up the speedway, but uh, I just want to give props to Bobby Tolan. He gave me a shot, you know, announcing when I, uh, you know, my racing career was winding down, and, you know, without him and Joyce Melvin, I wouldn't be here today behind this microphone. We had uh, Bobby Jackson, the whole Jackson family. I used to call Jerry Gary Jackson Action Jackson, and he's been gone about two months now. Yeah, And so uh, there are a lot of these racers. Hey, if we forget one of them, you know, I apologize for that, but uh, we've lost a lot of great racers. Uh, Steve Heath
2: Blum, also.
1: Keith Bloom, yeah. Right. Uh, Steve Duffy, longtime sponsor of Gary Webb. And, uh, you know, he lost his life to COVID. Uh, Donnie Watchell up there at uh, the filling station. Uh, lost his life, uh, you know, in last year. Big race fan, went to all the races. So.
2: Sponsored a lot of cars. Sponsored yeah, a
1: lot of cars. And so, you know, we really, uh, we're going to miss those people. But we got a lot of uh, youngins coming up. And I got a couple of grandkids, too. And, uh, you know, I'm already... Uh, 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 introducing them to racing at all levels. And, you know, my little granddaughter, she's uh, five years old, Isabella, had her out uh, looking at cars and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I remember I used to go to uh, the store, and when they'd have Hot Wheels on sale, you know, for 75 cents, I'd buy bags of them. And when the neighbor kids would walk down the alley, I'd go out and talk to them about cars and racing, and I'd give them Hot Wheels. And I just wanted them to kind of... Get introduced uh, in a simple way to cars, and you know, hopefully someday that would pique their interest, and we could move to the next level, level which would be dirt track racing. But uh, uh, just want to acknowledge all the people that are gone, and and uh, you know, all the great families that uh, you know are part of this sport that we call dirt track racing. Now listen, I never want to be called speechless, so here's what I'm gonna do. Hey, you know, we had Bristol.
2: Nobody's ever going to call you speechless. All right,
1: good. Hey, (laughs) I have a purpose in life. Down at Bristol, hey, they had uh, uh, World Outlaws down there last weekend. They had the cup cars on there. Uh, What are your thoughts about running at Bristol for the cup guys? What are your thoughts about, you know, the late models, the modifieds? I mean, late models, 130 mile an hour down at the end of the
2: shoot. I think it's awesome. I, I I thought it was really cool to watch the cup cars on the dirt track. I know some people didn't think it was so neat. I think it's neat that they had the late models and and uh, the Hornets, modifieds, everything racing down there, because I think a lot of people see what dirt track racing is about now that that have never seen it before or watched it before, and I think the show could have been better as far as there was too many breaks in between, you know, the way they have to stage the cars. There was a lot of downtime on TV. I'm not talking the cup race. I'm talking about, you know, the late model race. If, you know, they're going to do it again next year, maybe it sounds like. Hopefully they can work out some of those bugs.
0: Good. And I'll tell you what, the, the World of Outlaw Sprint cars are running, not that's... this weekend, but next weekend. This weekend they're down in Texas. Uh, Oklahoma and Texas are running Lawton, Oklahoma on Friday, and then Devil's Bowl on Saturday. Next weekend will be a two-day show on the big half mile, and it's been what twenty years now since since the sprint Cards have run on Bristol on the dirt. That's I can't crazy. wait to see that yeah, show. That's going to be they're going to absolutely fly.
2: The world of outlaw late models were just there last night. It was supposed to be Saturday night, but their main feature was last night, and that was a lot better show because they were able to park all the haulers in the infield, and and they just had the late models and the modifieds, and it was you know that was a good show to watch, but. Um, the other deal when they had six or seven classes down there and they had to bring all the cars into the infield, you know, and then run those cars and then they all had to leave and it was just, you know, an hour gap in between. Made it tough.
0: That's pretty tough to watch like
2: that. On, so, on, the,
0: on the, the late miles, one of the things that I think is really interesting and, and I enjoy being an outsider and, I, and, and I've become passionate about late model racing, a lot of it's thanks to you, Shane. Um, One of the things that I really enjoy, and this ties to both the World of Outlaw Late Models, because I watched the recaps of of this last weekend, and also the MLRA show that we have upcoming on Thursday. One of the things that I think is really cool is just because it's a World of Outlaw show doesn't necessarily mean that you don't have Lucas Oil regulars showing up. For example, uh, down at Bristol, I know Josh Richards ended up winning, I think it was a Friday night show, and he doesn't even run with the World of Outlaws anymore. Uh, jimmy owens did and and a lot of the guys that yeah. don't even run with the tour and so that's one of the big differences between late models and sprint cars is typically if you run the roll of Outlaw tour on sprint cars you don't get to run the all-star tour for example or you don't get to to jump off the tour and run a, a couple of special races that's one of the things i really enjoy about late model racing is shana i think you touched on it thursday night here in davenport we can have some major league hitters there, even though it's not technically a either a Woldavala or a Lucas Oil show. Yeah. I think that's Especially, really Especially,
3: cool. yeah, Davenport, because everybody loves Davenport.
1: They yeah. do a great job.
3: Yeah. It's great you know, the word's,
1: yeah. the word's out. The word's out, and all the drivers are out there talking about it, and they want to come to Davenport. So here's what we got. Uh, Devin Moran uh, picked up the win. $25,000 for his win. Nice payday for him. Ricky Weiss uh, finished second. Ross Bale third, but Ricky Thornton Jr. got fourth. I mean, he tore that car up pretty major. And, you know, when I seen the pictures of them working on it, I mean, they had, there was just a front stud there with a motor in it. So they did some major damage to that car, and they were able to recover and uh, come home with, uh, you know, a nice uh, run there. Fourth place. Brandon Overton was fifth. Chris Madden, sixth. Kyle Bronson, seventh. Jonathan Davenport, good run for him. Tyler Bruning ninth place. I mean, Tyler used to run the uh, uh, the, the old dairy series here. Yeah, and yeah. where is he based out of, Jeff?
2: Um, In northern Iowa. I, okay. c- I can't tell you which town. Um, and he's been running that whole series now. And I think that he did yet last year also. Mm-hmm. But he's really starting to get it because he was fast in Florida, too.
0: Very wow. fast in Florida. Yeah.
2: Oh. Yep. So was Clanton. Yes. And that so then we nice
0: here? to see Clanton recover from COVID
2: and come out
1: with a strong Florida yeah, show. For no sure. kidding. Rick Eckert tenth, Jimmy Owens uh, rolled home eleventh, and kind of a kind of an off day for Jimmy Owens. But you're going to have those at that
0: level. And although he, you know, he led most of the race and looked to be the car to beat on Friday night, and broke a left rear wheel. Did you guys wow. see that? Yeah, yeah. and, and Jeff, I actually froze framed it, and and actually three of the lugs were still on. So they run a five spoke lug for for the people that, that aren't familiar. Three of them still had the lugs on them. Two studs were broken off, and the wheel was gone. Uh, um, and unfortunately then Kyle Strickler ran over it and then crashed into the wall and yeah. utterly destroyed, destroyed car. his car. Yeah. W- which he was a new race
2: car, and he should have been starting in the front, but he was light at the scales oh. after the heat race. Oh, oh, boy. Wow. So Kyle Strickler, uh, 14th last
1: night. Shane Clanton, 15th. Nice to see him mm-hmm. getting back into racing. Dennis Herb, Jr., uh, the one-man band, come home 16th. Frank Ingram, 17th. Daryl Lanigan 18th. Blumquist, cabin kind of an off-night, he's had some good runs down there. Uh, 19th place in a ranking, wrapped up the top 20. Boom Briggs was 23rd, a regular on the uh, tour. Josh Richards, 24th. And I believe uh, Jared Landers, 26th, Kate Diller 27th, evidently. They had some mechanical problems, which uh, uh, my guess would be they didn't uh, finish a race. But uh, great show overall. I'm looking forward to it next year. I'm glad that NASCAR kind of stepped out of this, uh, this mold and said, "Hey, you know what? We're going to try something different," because the guys that uh, uh, were out there getting it on and getting around the racetrack, those guys were really working for their position. And were there any surprises to you, Jeff, about where they finished and how looked they, how good they looked out there at Bristol in the Cup?
2: You know. Uh, it kind of surprised me that some of the drivers that have never really ran dirt ran as well did as well. they did. Yeah. Um, I guess it just you know a lot of times we think oh it's just a bunch of spoiled little rich kids and cup that got there that way, but there truly is some talent there. When you can when you can jump you know out of your safe zone and and get into a you know on, in dirt and then you know a week or two before that like I know Kyle Busch and a couple others were jumping in late models and they were fast in them, you know, and they're not cars that you can just jump in and and be
0: very comfortable in
2: to drive. So one of the I things it was I good.
0: one of the things I thought t- was interesting too is one of the big um, opponents of the dirt, Kevin Harvick. I read an article about this coming into the race. He was vehemently opposed to dirt racing. He had never run dirt. He actually ran before the race and loved it. And cha- completely changed his opinion. Yeah. Absolutely loves it.
2: No. I read that same article. That was pretty cool. I thought yeah. so as well.
1: Hey, what about Ryan Newman? Man, he was getting it on, moving forward all day long. Uh, I think he ended up with a fifth place finish. Yeah, I think so too. But he does have some dirt
2: experience. You know, yeah. he ran some
1: midgets and stuff. Before. Sure. Yep. Uh, Jeff and I, we were we had taken our wives down to Martinsville, West Virginia, uh, several years ago. And so we're in between uh, the Friday-Saturday show, and we're at a steakhouse. And in walks a guy in a hoodie, and he sits down not too far from us. But it was Ryan Newman. And that guy, I'm going to tell you, he's got some arms. If uh, Kyle Busch wants to fight with somebody, you ought to go over and (laughs) push him.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I know know in that NASCAR show, both Chris Bell and I think two of the favorites were Christopher Bell and Kyle Larson, the dirt specialist, And they looked to be the guys that were coming through the field until they took each other out. Until they took each other out, my gosh. It
3: was hard for me to watch, honestly, the NASCAR because it was just—it's like, you know what I mean? Because you get the late models and stuff out there, like, basically what five seconds faster right. per lap? Right. Sure. I mean, it, to me, it made the NASCAR guys not taking anything away because I know it's not their totally different cars, totally different everything. But man, the you know the the guys, the dirt guys. They, <laughs> I mean, it looked good. I mean, show. even even the four cylinder cars were doing you know 100 mile an hour laps, which is crazy. Yeah, crazy. For sure. You know,
0: one you can, of the things that 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 I thought found interesting too was that it opened doors of a lot of guys that don't normally get NASCAR opportunities. The guys like Mark Marlar, Mike Marlar, got yeah. got a chance. Uh, we had a couple of sprint car guys like Chris Wyndham that got a chance to run a NASCAR uh, that they wouldn't normally get that opportunity, but the door opened. Because the fact that it was on dirt, you got anything to add to that, Jeff?
2: No, I just yeah. kind of adding what he said there to the flip side of what you had said. um... Bloomquist four or five years ago tried to run when when they were running the, the trucks on dirt on mm-hmm. Wednesday night, the pre- prelude or whatever, yeah. and he couldn't run with them guys. Really, so, you know, which surprised me because we all thought oh man Scott Bloomquist him, He's guys, a man. You know? but One of the things happen. he did. But he changed his
1: truck from a typical, uh, you know, truck setup. I mean, didn't he pull the bar off the front of it, the stabilizer bar? And yeah, I don't. Kind of try to work some uh, bloomer magic. Yeah. Old black magic didn't have it that day. But that yeah. that surprised me too, Jeff. I thought he was going to put it on him. But here's what I hope. I hope that because of the cup running on the dirt, that he brought some new fans into the cup and it would introduce some cup fans to what we love. And what we adore, which is dirt track racing, so that's uh, you know at the end of the day, I think it was a win-win for the Cup and for the dirt track uh, racers, and you know I hope to see more of that in the future. It was definitely good to
3: see NASCAR do something like that because I think in the last few years uh, they've kind of gotten a bad rap, and you know people have stopped have tuned out uh, for you know for whatever reason. So it's nice to see them doing something a little bit different.
0: Well, and I I think especially since they're trying to manufacture good racing. That's one of the things that, as dirt track enthusiasts, we can like and watch NASCAR, and I watch NASCAR as much as the next guy. However, when you see them trying to manufacture racing, close, accurate, fun racing, where guys are exchanging the lead nonstop, like they did two weeks ago at Farmer City in the in the Outlaw show, right. the Outlaw late model show, or like they did the, the World of Outlaw Sprint Cars did twice in, in two different uh, races this last weekend in Indiana, and you see when you see racing fans that that tune in on Sunday and watch a marathon, that there's not a lot of competitive racing, and M- NASCAR trying to mimic that, and they turn their backs a little bit on the dirt track racing, it's nice to see NASCAR pay more attention to that outwardly and, and, and hopefully bring more fans, like you said, Shane, into dirt track racing and and enjoy what we enjoy and, and, and take part in that.
1: And then to add to
0: that, you know, Kelly, what you're doing right now, You brought a
1: whole new group of people into racing last year. I know I had uh, a couple of grandmothers that called me up, and that health wise are not able to make it to the racetrack. They're able to watch their grandsons race on TV. But we had people from, you know, 24 states, Canada, Mexico, and three countries. And believe me, the guy sitting over there in Germany watching wasn't going to be. We're not going to miss out on his ticket in the grandstands.
3: Right, right, and that's the thing. And I think, and I think it helped. The, it helped the promoters last year because, it, we, the first year we started doing the Facebook stuff, I mean, that was one of the first things we started doing in Macaulay. It's like, oh, you're, you're, people are staying home. You know, everybody's like, you're, you're killing, the, you're killing the, nobody's coming because they're staying home watching on Facebook. And I'm like, I know, but give it a minute, right? Because, it, right. yeah, there's going to be people that are going to check it out, but the main idea is to get it out to that many more people. That hopefully somebody else gets their eye on it. And they want to go on a Thursday night or a Friday night or a Saturday night, whatever night it is, and 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 I think that a lot of the tracks have made that change. Not, you know, a lot of the promoters are like, yeah, because it, it, it does, man. It, it totally opens up. You, there's only so many people you can get in the stands, right? And there's so many people, especially with COVID, and people understood that sometimes, you know, you just and and like I love watching Maya and I love watching them guys, but I can't go to Missouri and you know, and, and all these different places where they're going to be racing at. And, and, I mean, who can, right? And especially around here, I mean, even to go from Davenport to Dubuque to Lee County to 34 to 300, that's a lot of moving around. A lot right? of traveling, that's you right. You know, so, so why not give people the opportunity to um, to tune in without having, you know, because they're still going to go to, the, the true fans are still going to go to the track because there's no replacement for that.
0: And now that we're coming out of COVID, and I think this is going to become more and more evident in 2021, uh, the World of Outlaws Sprint Cars ran Friday night in Kokomo, Indiana, and Saturday south, it's four hours south of there in, in uh, Hobstadt, Indiana. Both places were sold out, absolutely packed. Uh, the, I believe it was Hobstadt they ran a 40-lap feature, had 20 lead changes. Okay, This is one of the things that the World of Outlaws have done very well, is as soon as their feature is over, within a half an hour, 45 minutes, they have a, a, a produced recap of the show out on their YouTube channel. Wow, yeah. and, and obviously it's not detracting from from their attendance because they're they're absolutely standing room only, uh, and so and, I and think that's it's going to bring more. Right, yeah. I mean even yeah, here, everywhere. you
3: know, right. everywhere yep. they go, they bring the crowd, that's and right. people look for it. They that's see right. that the outlaws are coming, and people want to go see. And it. they
0: jumped on that bandwagon a few years ago, so absolutely. hopefully we'll see more and more of the of the local smaller operations take advantage of the technology and, and expose themselves and other other uh, to new fans and bring more fans into the stands.
1: Yeah, I think what people are seeing now is, uh, you know, they watch it on TV, maybe they're not regular, they haven't been to the races in 10 years, and there's nothing like the live experience. Once you get them there to the racetrack, yeah. I mean, electricity fills the air, along with smells like hot dogs. Right. And of course, me, I'm always hungry, so that, that works for me, but no. <laughs> the, the feeling of electricity, the excitement of the drivers, you end up, uh, you get to know the different nuances and the driving styles that are out there. Uh, you become a fan of a particular driver and you want to go back. and really, when you look at the cost of racing, going up in the grandstands, and what you got to pay uh, today, it it really is uh, you know, a low cost uh, sport that you yeah. take the whole family to. Uh, and everybody's gonna have a good time. a lot of a lot of tracks are 12 and under free, so mm-hmm. you can take the kids. You don't have to worry about that. Uh, you know, I know over at Davenport Speedway, we don't charge to park. If you go to a lot of your sports, Even uh, the semi-professional sports, you know, you're paying a fee to uh, park down, uh, you know, in front of the grandstands, and so uh, pretty pretty low cost uh, form. So Kelly, I just wanted to say that we
3: put out and I and I get this is our first show, but I did put out earlier that we were going to open the lines up, open the phone lines up at eight o'clock, if anybody wants to call and anybody has any questions or anything like that, now would be the time to do that. you know, and if and if that, if nobody wants to call in or anything, that's fine too. We got, we got, hopefully, we're doing a lot of these, and, you know, we'll give everybody the opportunity to say their piece or whatever. Um, do you so, have the number for the call, call, get, call it's in It's 563 528 1980, and you can call right into the studio. So okay. 563 528 1980.
1: And our plans are to do this every Monday night. We're going to do it 7 to 8 o'clock, and we talked about the time, and uh, Kelly, I, Pat, we decided that. People are on the way home at 5 o'clock, so we didn't want to do it at 5 o'clock. We wanted to let them sit down, eat dinner with their family, and have time to kind of gather their thoughts, and we'd kick it off at 7 o'clock. So we're going to be here each and every Monday, giving local race results. Mark it on your calendar. We'd love to have you as a regular here. Uh, You can go to Dunright TV on Facebook. Dunright
3: TV, Facebook, and YouTube, and we'll probably – you know start another facebook or start a it, something i don't want to get too crazy because the season's sure. about to start and i'm going to be going crazy trying to get all these shows in and stuff too but sure. uh, but we i want to also continue going on the road and going to different shops and stuff like that because i think people like that uh and and guys everybody watching and, and listening or whatever uh I, I think you guys all agree we're here for for the sport we're here for The fans, and if there's something that you want us to to do, or us to, you know, something that we want to include in the show, or or whatever. If you if you hate something about the show, I mean, let us know. I'm all about feedback. Um, You know, it's uh, and I'm always ready to push it. I'm always wanting to push it to another level. So, um, you know, so don't. And I'm not saying that there's not going to be mistakes along the way. That's one of the reasons why I called it True Grit or why I thought of True Grit. It's just because it's not all fun and games, man. It's not all, you know, people think, you see the guys winning all the time, but they're winning because of the grit and because of the of what they've went through in their everyday battles, you know, and things like that. You know, like you said earlier, the $7 part broke that kind of took you out of the game, but you came right back, right? And And, and so that's... That's kind of what
1: I want. I'm looking for for more stories and for more, uh, you know. That's what I'm looking for. And Jeff, uh, thanks for coming on the show tonight. I mean, thanks good luck here. in 2021. I mean, I hope you guys uh, that Harris car looks real fast. Uh, you get over this little hump. We got some real tough competition over at Davenport, but I think uh, Mitchell Morris is, uh, you know, a special driver. Uh, you got a nice car, and uh, you know, the good news is that. You know, Jeff, you've always been real smart with setups and and being able to tune the car up to the uh, driver. So uh, good luck in 21.
2: I appreciate it. Um, We haven't really raced a lot the last few years. Uh, We plan on racing at least double of what we have in the past. We plan on going 35, 40 nights this year anyways. Um, We have good equipment. We're anxious to get racing.
1: Good. Good. We are, too. All right,
2: Standing with that being said,
1: Pat, any closing thoughts?
0: You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing this, and I think um, I want to reiterate one more thing with that, that Kelly just touched on. One of the things that I think we're trying to do here, especially for the people that are watching that, that may be a passive fan or not a huge race fan, we have an incredible amount of knowledge here, and we know and have access to a lot of racers. So um, if we can maybe develop segments to bring some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that happens uh, that, that we have access to being in the pit area, but also being able to bring that to uh, to race fans uh, from a kind of pull back the curtain perspective, I would love to do that. And so if anybody has any questions, feel free to message us on on um, on Kelly's Done Right TV page.
3: Yeah, and, and, and to take that even a little bit further, Pat, uh, I'm looking for people at the track, fans at the track to help us out. We're gonna be at Lee County. Uh, hopefully everything is gonna work out. Between all the tracks, we got Dubuque, Lee County, 34 Raceway, Davenport, East Moline. Um, what am I missing? Something, I'm sure. Um, but it's gonna be hard for me to go to every track and to be able to do the pit. I, I'd love to have some kids or some teenagers uh, that can help put GoPros in the car. I'll provide the GoPros, then I could have them to get that footage done so I don't have to run around and try to do that. It'd be great to have somebody that can do interviews and stuff in the pits. Um, that could move into camera operators, production, you know, stuff like that. So uh, we're looking for people, and it's always, it's always. I've found it, the the one year that I've really been doing this, uh, it's a whole lot easier to get people involved that already have a love for the sport. So uh, you know, we'll pay your pit passes or something like that if you want to help out. With just taking some, just even taking pictures in the pits while while we're streaming the show, uh, could make something because we're going to start putting out every after weekend like monday tuesday we're going to put out highlights from every place that we're at too so and we didn't do that last year so Great. um you know so anything that we can add to that if there's anybody that wants to you know we can set up a Dropbox whatever however we figure out how to do that um but i'm going to be looking for people to help out and, and maybe you know idea. it could be a maybe an apprenticeship type thing you know where where the kids can learn how to be, you know be a producer or be a you know and uh you know some of these shows pay pretty well you know yeah, so right. Um, and, and, anything that they produce on their own, they can be the executive producer of. So, Good. um, you know, so just keep that in mind. If anybody's interested, you can hit me on the Facebook page. Um, again, I'm here to grow the sport. Uh, I'm here, you know, these guys have the experience. I don't. So, uh, if you don't have something, find somebody that does. What I have is, is the, I don't know the passion and the, and the persistence to just keep going. I don't care how, how many times I get beat down, um,
0: It's an experience. He's got the true grit, Shane. That's right. Did I tie it up and put a nice little bow on
3: it for you? Yes, sir. There you go.
1: um,
3: All
0: right,
1: ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thanks for tuning in. That'll wrap things up for this week's show. We'll get that phone number posted out there. So next week you'll be ready to dial that phone, call in, ask our guest or one of us any questions you may have. And with that being said, uh, enjoy your week. We'll see you at the racetrack in... I'll be seeing you around the track.